Welcome to episode 29 of the podcast here with the NBA Roundtable one more time uh, to talk about reactions to the preseason and some predictions for uh, awards and for the regular season. So uh, let's introduce ourselves real quick, real quick and get right into it. Go ahead, Tyler. Yeah, what's up? I'm Tyler Selene. You can find me on Twitter at T-S-O-L-L-E-N-N-E. Marcellus? Um, Marcellus Bowie, founder of Legit Sports Stash. You can find me at Legit CEO on Twitter. Jordan? Yeah, this is Jordan Linebacker. Uh, you can find me at Bilo, B-I-L-O underscore L-C on Twitter. Probably for the next 12 days, you're going to see me spouting off a lot of stuff about the Ohio State Clemson game. Go Bucks. <laughs> I'm going to get smoked. All right. So this is an NBA pod, so we're going to focus on that. So starting with the uh, our award predictions for the season. So MVP is the first one. So mine is Damian Lillard. Um, you know, we all saw what he, he did in the bubble. Uh, they added some some great offseason additions to the roster. Uh, I like, you know, they brought in uh, Covington, which I really like. They get Collins back healthy. Nurkic, hopefully a full year of him healthy. Another year of development for some of the young guys, uh, L.A.B., um, they brought in uh, Derek Jones Jr. and then also uh, Ennis Cantor. And for some reason, uh, Rodney Hood got got $20 million again. So, uh, And then they, they rolled the dice on Harry Giles, who I think can be good in a system that actually uh, knows how to use his, uh, his skill set. So I, I really like Dame to just, you know, elevate the level of the play of the guys around him. It's between Dame and Luca for me, and I think that the Blazers are going to finish with a better record. So that's why I'm going. Tyler. Luca, let's go. Mavs are finally going to get some love. I no, I honestly do feel like it's going to be Luca. I feel like out of all the the teams who have MVP candidates, uh, Luca's the only one that has like a one man show. Uh, I think that he might average a, tri- a thirty point triple double, and I don't. Know, I, I think that it's going to be my guy's year to get it. I think there's also a little bit of voter fatigue with Giannis, so I don't think he's going to get it a third year in a row. So, Bet. let's go, Luca. Super shocked to hear your answer there. Marcellus, who you got? Uh, I'm going with Kawhi. I feel like this is the year that the Clippers reestablished themselves as the contenders that we thought they were last year. Um, I feel like he didn't play a lot of games you know, last year, and I think that he's going to play a lot more games this year. I think that he's going to be kind of uh, in the mode to reestablish himself as one of the you know top three players in the NBA. Jordan? Yeah, I got to double up with what Selene said. Um, for me, Luca is going to be the MVP this year. Um, he's moved on, um, you know, if you guys are into the uh, the gambling side of things, he has moved to uh, easily the favorite there. He was running behind Giannis until the last week, and now Luca is just plus 300. Um, so he's he's a clear favorite over Giannis at, at 550. Um, for me, with the, uh, with the uh, Mavericks, they had a point differential last season of, I think it was – plus 4.9, I want to say. It, it ranked them third in the West and sixth in the NBA overall. So that that was a team that underachieved um, record-wise, kind of got unlucky with a lot of things. Um, so I, I am all in on the Mavericks becoming a probably fourth or fifth seed there in the West, um, taking a step. I, I think Luca will put up uh, similar numbers to what Tyler said. Um, and I just think, uh, like Tyler said, a little bit of Antetokounmpo fatigue. Um I do like, um, for believe it or not, a long shot James Harden at this point. I think it's easy to forget about him and how good he is because he's out in limbo right now requesting trades and going out to Vegas um, instead of going to training camp. But, um, 
you know, when this guy's locked in, I mean, he's averaged like what 35 a game or something in the last couple of years, he's um, fully locked in and you can get him as like third or fourth highest odds on the board. So um, Harden has the potential if he stays in Houston or if he goes to a team in the East where he could elevate them as well. And I think that's what voters will look for is a player that just kind of elevates their team up a couple spots in the, the conference standings where to where they haven't been before. Got you. So we're going to actually stay with the Rockets for the next question, which is going to be the most improved player. Uh, I, I as the keys to the kingdom uh, up there in Detroit. I think Detroit, if they if they try to win this year, um, you know, they, they can make a couple of trades and trade away one of their 17 big men um, for some wings that can shoot. Um, I think that they would be in a much better spot to just to space the floor for for. Um, their their guards and for for Blake Griffin as well but I think that pick and roll with um Blake Griffin and Killian Hayes is going to be uh very underrated I think that that they're going to have a good year so uh that that's my pick for that so so Lenny who do you got I mean yeah that pick and roll is going to be crazy for the first week of the season until Blake gets hurt but I mean you're completely right about rookie of the year is just wide open like I was going through it I was just listing off names and I was like man this is a tough one to pick uh I I, I don't want to root for uh lamello ball so i'm gonna end up picking devin vassal because I'll, I'll get to i'll get to some reasons later on why i think he's gonna get like a lot more playing time than people might think but i really liked him in the draft i think under uh greg popovich i think that he might start out a little bit slower but like towards that like second half of the season i think he's really gonna come on and that that's when the voting is gonna be going on and i i think that, that people are gonna be taking notice of his numbers especially later in the season and i think that that'll uh That'll make help him squeak out this award. Mm-hmm. Jordan, what you got? Yeah, no, uh, no offense to you guys and your picks here, but um, I think you guys are getting a little too cute with this. When you look at the guys who have recently won, um, you're looking at guys who are picked in the top three or top five of the draft. They're going to get a ton of run. And one guy who stands out to me there this year is James Wiseman with Golden State because he's in the unique situation where he got picked number two overall. There's not really a lot in front of him that's going to hinder him on the depth chart. And he has a chance to make impactful plays in winning basketball. Yeah, LaMelo may, you know, rattle off some crazy stat line. Anthony Edwards, I guess, could average 18 or 20, um, you know, for a team that wins 25 games. But James Wiseman has a chance, um, you know, for um, making uh, meaningful contributions for a Warriors team that could definitely make the playoffs if if things break right. And, I mean, if everything goes their way, Steph – uh, Curry and, and that team have shown that their ceiling is incredibly high, even with, you know, some of the new pieces in place this year. Um, he's a guy who's going to have a, a clear role to fill as a rim running big. Um, he's going to fit in with what they have going on on that team. They need somebody to come in and play defense and he's got the size to do that. He's going to get blocks, um, you know, kind of like the Hassan Whiteside block where he gets the block because he's tall, not necessarily because, you know, he was playing stellar defense, but when it all boils down to it, people are going to look at, you know, how many blocks did he average per game, et cetera. So um, I think this is James Wiseman. You've seen uh, John Morant win it as the number two pick last year and it was John Zion. So, um, you know, I appreciate, I would love to see, you know, guys um, a little further down in the draft order, get a little more uh, burn, but to me, this the this award has been a little bit predictable lately. So I'll take Wiseman. Christian Wood, um, the dude was top twenty in the league in player efficiency rating last year. Steps into a different role with the Rockets this year. Uh, I think that there is a world in which Harden you know, finally gets into shape, you know, over the next month or two, and starts going off because of all of, you know the stuff that is that he's hearing. That's if he does end up 
um, being convinced to stay uh, there. And I think Christian Wood could be really a benefactor of his uh, just shooting gravity and just, you know, the amount of defensive attention that he attracts and just uh, working in the pick and roll with him. I think he could uh, have a great year this year. So that's my pick for most improved player. Tyler, who you got? So, um, I mean, I called this one like a while back uh, about DeAndre Ayton. Uh, I think that he was really like kind of under the radar, like making some big strides uh, last year, like pre-bubble and during the bubble. But uh, I think that with Chris Paul getting on there, he's going to get on him and ride him like nobody else ever has and going to really push him to be a great player. Yeah, I, it's let's stay PG. I see that face you're making. But I think Chris Paul is going to guide him. How about that? Chris Paul is going to guide him into being a, a much more efficient player and a much stronger player. Um, although SGA, I think, is a, another strong candidate, but he already averaged 19 points a game. So I don't see that going up too much enough to get the award. So I think it's going to be Aiton. Cool. Marcellus? I think it's going to be Michael Porter Jr. I feel like we saw what he can bring to a team – um, especially in the offensive end, but even on the defensive end when he's locked in. So I think that, you know, I think that I believe he averaged 10 points a game last year. I think he's going to be up where, you know, around 17, 18. And I think that that Denver Nuggets team is going to be much improved also. So um, even if they don't really win a lot more games, especially because of them playing 72 games instead of 82, I think that they're just going to be a better all around team. So he's my uh, pick to win MIP. Stepping into a lot more minutes too, assumedly so with the, the departures of Jeremy Grant and uh, the, the the good Plumley, whose name I'm blanking on right now. <laughs> All right, Jordan, what you got? Yeah, I think I mentioned this towards the end of last season um, when we were doing a wrap up pod, um, but I'm, I'm still on PJ Washington with the uh, Hornets here in Charlotte. Um, last season as a rookie, um, you know, went late lotto, averaged 30 minutes a game. Um, he got 12 points, about five boards, a couple of assists. And he was right around one assist in a steal. I think he was like or um, a block in a steal. He was like 0.8 and 0.9. But he was doing this on fairly efficient numbers. He was 37.4% from three, 46% um, just overall on field goals. And the Hornets have um, shown that they are going to get him on the floor. There's um, significant talk about him getting run as the small ball center in some lineups there. Um, it's a team that has made some steps to improve around him this season. And um, it may be kind of a lazy comparison to make, and it doesn't always translate for every single position. But um, I, I definitely like these Kentucky players when they come out into the league. I think a lot of times they just get lumped in with a loaded class because Calipari is recruiting those one and dones. And when they um, get to come out into the league, um, they get to really show what they're all about. And I, I do like James Borrego's chops from the Spurs tree um, of coaching as a um, just a good guy for development. Um, so give me PJ Washington a little bit further down on the list if you're looking at it um, by odds, but um, I think he has a chance to uh, step into a very significant role, role this year for a team that uh, could improve a bit. Gotcha. So next one is going to be the sixth man of the year award. Um, and my pick for that is Davis Bertans. Um, you know, the, the efficiency that he was shooting at last year um, let me pull it up right now. This man was shooting the ball at a 42% clip from three, uh, shooting almost nine of them a game um, with a lot of defensive attention on him. Um, just the amount of opportunities that that Russ is going to create for him. Um, and, you know, obviously you have Brad Beal on the other side still doing his thing. Um, you know, all-star caliber scorer there. So um, I think he's going to get a lot of wide open looks and he's going he's gonna to cash them out. So I'm interested to see, you know, how his game – 
kind of evolves past that um, and, you know, kind of breaks out of just the, the shooter mold type deal. But I think those numbers are going to um, continue to stay at, at that same elite level. So, Selene, what you got? So initially I really wanted to go with Dennis Schroeder, but I feel like looking at the Lakers roster, like he's going to have to start. I mean, they're, they're not going to start Caruso, are they? So instead of that, uh, I'm going to go with Gallinari. The Haw- I mean, it's a stats-based award, and the Hawks are not going to play any defense. They're going to be in a ton of shootouts. Uh, when Gallinari is playing with that second unit, he's going to get to lead them. And then also when he's thrown in there with the starters, there's going to be a lot of spacing. Uh, he's going to get the playoff of guys like Trey Young, and he's going to have like rim runners like Capella, Collins, and your boy Okongwu, who are all going to be diving towards the rim, and he's going to be open for a lot of kickouts. And I think he's going to rack up some numbers. Jordan? Yeah, great minds think alike. Um, I hate to uh, just <laughs> piggyback on Seleni's picks, but for the second time, I, I'm on board with Danilo. Um, I'm just going to let the words he said 30 seconds ago speak for themselves because that's about what I was going to say. Um, I will throw in a little bit of a homer pick for another one of my guys that's in the uh, consideration for the award, and he was my second choice with Jordan Clarkson with the Jazz um, really lit it up for the Jazz once they traded for him um, this past season. He is going to have a chance to lead that second unit, and it wouldn't surprise me if he goes for pro- probably be closer to 15, but he could really get up there and score 16, 18 a night. Um, he's got a green light to just shoot it really whenever he wants it, and it's been working out a little bit better now that he's on a team that um, you know can surround him with some competent parts. So uh, Jordan Clarkson, he was, I think, fourth in the running last season as well, and that was with you know, the first third or so of the season being played in the cesspool of Cleveland. So uh, Jordan Clarkson definitely in the running, but I think Danilo takes it because every Hawks game will be 150 to 145 this year. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Marcellus. Um, as my sixth man, I got Avery Bradley. I feel like he's going to be the guy to get the heat over the edge um, to be a real championship contender. I mean, of course, they were contending for championship last year, but I feel like if they had him last year, that they might have been able to beat the Lakers. So I think that there's going to be plenty of games that, you know, who knows how healthy Gordon Drogic is going to come back this year. Um, who knows if Kendrick Nunn is going to have a sophomore slump. Like, Uh-oh. I'm going with Avery Bradley for my sixth man of the year. I feel like he's going to be the missing piece that the Heat needed. And I feel like the Heat had one of those teams where, no one real got no one really got their, I guess, just due for the individual accolades because their team was so good. And I think that the fact that we know their team is good and the fact that we watched them play well last year, we're gonna pay more attention to guys like Jimmy Butler and some, you know, guys that maybe should have gotten more uh, I guess more votes for some of those individual categories. And I feel like Avery Bradley's gonna be one of those guys that gets them over the hump into uh potentially being a championship, I guess winner of the championship this year. So for that being the case, I think that Avery Bradley's my sixth man pick. Got you. So up next, we got the uh, rookie of the year, um, which is the hardest award, at least for me to pick uh, other than coach of the year. Um, and I'm going to go with Killian Hayes. Um, he's just going to get plenty of burn. Pick Wiseman too. First of all, I'm going to make it quick. Aaron, thanks. Uh, I think Wiseman is going to be the leader of the rookies in blocks and rebounds. Um, and he's going to get a lot of touches on rim runs. I think that the way that Golden State plays their offense is the fact that they have the entire court spread out and it's perfect to have a big that runs the rim like he does. Uh, A la Dwight Howard in, I guess, 2009, 2010. When they had all those shooters, he was just getting blocks, essentially turning shots at the rim, running the court, getting easy dunks. I think that Wiseman is going to get a bunch of those. Um, 
those pick and rolls with him and Draymond, him and Steph Curry are going to lead to a lot of easy points as well. So he's my rookie of the year pick too. Not fault ourselves. All right. So now we're going to move on to the coach of the year. Um, and I, for me, it's Mike Budenholzer for the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't feel super strong about it, but I, I like what they did in the offseason. Um, they ended up being able to hang on to DiVincenzo uh, after initially including him in the trade. Um, they still got, you know, Pat Connaughton, you know, obviously Greek Freak's going to do his thing. They brought in Torrey Craig, which I think is a really underrated piece, you know, one that Jordan brought up uh, in, in the playoffs that was instrumental for them last year. Uh, as a wing defender, bringing in Drew Holiday, just a, a team first guy, um, a vet, you know, someone that that really gets after it on both sides of the floor. Um, I think he's going to be really good for them. And, you know, they still got Brooke Lopez. They drafted a shooter in Sam Merrill. He still got Chris Middleton, um, brought in Bobby Portis. Um, I think that they're going to be really solid. So, um, you know, I think it ends up being most of the time the, the team that wins the most games, just the coach of that team that looks the best. And, in a crazy shortened season like this, um, especially given Milwaukee's history, as far as on the win column, when in, when in 60 games, 50 high fifties, um, I think that they're going to be there again this year. Um, so I, I got bud. So what you got Tyler? I mean, when we were doing our like preseason, like rank, like ranking stuff, like I, I had Portland as the three seed of the West. And I think that that's, what's going to get uh, Terry Stotts this uh, award, the head coach of the Blazers. I think that they're going to have a much better year. A lot of the guys that they brought in, their defense is going to be like vastly improved. And it's also going to allow their offensive guys to focus on what they do best. And, you know, Dame is going to be up there in the MVP conversation. I think he's going to fall just short, but uh, Portland's going to get their recognition from Terry Stouts getting this award. Jordan. Yeah, I struggled with this one for quite a while. Um, I think for me, there's a big difference in who I think, you know, should be eligible or, you know, is the best choice for the award versus who is actually going to get it. And since we're really trying to predict who we think will end up winning the award, I'm going to go with Frank Vogel. Um, I don't know. It, it seems like a really lame pick, but I, I think that the Lakers are primed to do incredibly well this year. People are worried about rest issues with LeBron and AD, but um, I'm a big fan of what they did this off season, bringing in a ton of guys around him so that, you know, even if they have to sit one or both of those guys, they'll still, be competitive in a lot of games. Um, I, I mean, I have Portland, Dallas, and Utah in some order in my three through five slots, and I'd love to give Stotts, Rick Carlisle, or Quinn Snyder uh, some rub, but like, I just don't see any way national writers do that unless Dallas possibly finishes like three in the West and Luca has like some transcendent, you know, clear cut unanimous MVP season. Um, so, like Proy said, I, I think you look at these guys who coach teams that have the best record and they just kind of end up winning it by default. And uh, you'll definitely see a lot of Frank Vogel on national TV since he's coaching LeBron and AD. So uh, yeah, Frank Vogel, uh, <laughs> grudgingly. Marcellus. Uh, I'm going with Scott Brooks. I feel like the fact that they've underachieved, I think the Wizards are underachieved over the last, honestly, 10 years, but definitely the, for sure the last five or the last few years since he's been coached. I think that, with Russell Westbrook, they're going to be a team that's definitely in the playoffs and content, you know, potentially can fight for home court advantage. And I think that a lot of that is going to go to – a lot of that credit is going to go to Russell Westbrook, which is also going to bounce back to Scott Brooks. So um, I'm, I'm looking at him as potential coach of the year. Uh, you've got a 30-point scorer you know, in Brad Bill, and you've got a guy that can score 30 
in Russell Westbrook that's actually interested in being a point guard from what, you know, all of the preseason reports have been. So I'm looking at Scott Brooks as our, uh, as our coach of the year. That So next question, executive of the year. Um, I feel like this award just goes, it should go to, you know, someone that's taking into consideration what the GM did in the off season, in addition to what they do in season. I feel like recently it's been more, you know, who makes a bid, big uh, splash in the trade market, especially near the trade deadline or someone that, you know, a team just comes on late and ends up winning out, um, tends to go to them. So I'm going to pick Daryl Morey um, and we'll get to more of that later on, uh, on me kind of flipping how I feel about the Sixers, but, you know, he brought in Tony Bradley and then uh, brings in Seth Curry knockdown shooter off the bench. Um, but I'm mainly picking him for this award in, in Vincent, Por- Vincent Poirier, uh, another underrated signing, but uh, this is more just because um, I think he's going to make a, a big trade during the season. Um, I highly doubt that they end the season with Simmons Embiid, and Tobias Harris on the roster. I think you can move Tobias Harris um, after boosting his trade value and getting some uh, good value back um, in in the in the shape of someone that fits the roster and, and complements their stars a lot better. Um, I, I don't think this is what the roster is going to look like at the end of the year. And I think that you know a trade, you know, opening the up the front court and opening up the the passing lanes and stuff like that will be um, huge for their their outcome as a team. So I have uh, Daryl Morey. So what you got, Tyler? I mean, I love the Daryl Morey pick. You know, I was on the um, Philly for having a great offseason as much as it begrudges me to give that dude some credit. But I think it's between him and uh, LeBron slash Palenka, whoever's really running the show out there in L.A., just because of, like you said, like the the guys who – like the teams who have, like, a strong uh, strong team are usually the guys that end up getting recognition for this award. But in my heart of hearts, I think the guy who I'm personally going to want to give this award to – is actually Leon Rose of the Knicks because them dudes have finally embraced the tank. And I feel like forgetting James Dolan to embrace tanking, that man is doing something. He's got to get some recognition because it's been like almost 30 years and nobody's been able to convince him until now. So Leon Rose, I see you out there and I want to give you some love. I don't think you, I don't think the the winner of a 15 win franchise is gonna, gonna be be in the running for executive of the year award. But you are right, uh, convincing Dolan to, to embrace the tank is definitely noteworthy. So uh, what George, were they doing for the last 20 years if not tanking? <laughs> well, I mean they they were tr- they thought that they were trying to be competitive. It just like they were just really wrong and they suck. Incompetent tanking. After <laughs> this one. Yeah, um, piggyback off my coach of the year. Um, I, I just think there's been too much chatter about it already, how Rob Palinka's won the offseason. And I am, um, you know, a believer in that camp. Um, I think the Lakers have had the best offseason of a defending champion in a long time. Um, you know, you lock Anthony Davis up on a long-term deal because he's worried about his injury history. But even before that, you know, you move a 28th pick in the draft. I think it was a super late pick that, you know, that wasn't going to help them in the really their title window contention. So you move it for Dennis Schroeder, you get Wes Matthews, you get um, Montrez Harrell. And I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple other guys, I even not that it's necessarily related to the GM, but going back a couple of years, um, Taylor Horton Tucker. Um, I, I like him um, to potentially come on and get some run for the Lakers this year. He's looked good in the preseason and um, he's probably going to become the next Caruso where he just gets way too much love solely because he's on the Lakers. But I, I do like this guy a little bit, and um, I think he'll get some run again just because LeBron and Davis are going to rest. But 
they were able to fill in um oh mark gasol i mentioned uh forgot mark gasol so like they have filled in they had on this team where they just have so much more depth um i want the season to be exciting but to me like it's a lakers or the field question right now and a lot of that is because of the offseason that Polinka had yeah, and they re-signed KCP as well, and I, don't, I I can't remember if you mentioned, but they also uh, signed Wesley Matthews and, and Markeith Morris to picks as well, as well as bringing uh, Markeith. Yep. Yeah. So, I really like that pick. I really like uh, THT free free THT. I want to see him on a team where he can actually play. I, I, I hate <laughs> for him. So, Marcel, what you got for this one? Um, I'm going, I'm going with Neil O'Shea for my Portland Trailblazers. I feel Ooh. like. Everybody saw the Trailblazers were kind of like a few pieces away. Um, and we've needed a swing man, especially a 3-and-D guy, for the longest time. I think that Trevor Ariza sitting out the bubble really hurt us last year and really limited, uh, you know, what we could do against, you know, a team like LeBron and Lakers. So the fact that we've got Robert Covington, you know, we've kind of traded or got him for Trevor Ariza. Um, in addition to having Derek Jones, which is really just a younger Robert Covington, maybe a more athletic uh, maybe not as good of a shooter as Robert Covington, but a more athletic version of that. In addition to having Enos Cancer, which can be a post scorer if someone like Zach Collins or Nurkic is hurt, I think really helped us. Um, the fact that we re-signed Carmelo, in addition to bringing back Rodney Hood, who was hurt last year, also really helped us You know, on the wings. Uh, of course, our guard spots were solid, having CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, and Anthony Sim- Simmons on the bench. And I think that, you know, we're a solid team to kind of, you know, be a contender in the West this year. Hmm. And Neil O'Shea will get a lot of the benefits of, you know, as far as executive of the year, our considerations. Hmm. Yeah, I think he's definitely going to be in the running for that, too. Our last award, so defensive player of the year. Um, I'm going to go off the beaten path a little bit and take my guy, Drew Holiday, um, the, the highest rated de- defensive team last year. Um, just based on uh, net defensive rating, um, adds in a phenomenal uh, perimeter defender that can also switch. I think he can pretty much guard one through three, um, some some small fours as well. Uh, there's been some video circulating of, of him playing pickup with Giannis and playing it pretty well. Um, I think adding him to a defense that already has dudes like Giannis, they already have, you know, Brooke Lopez, you know, down there. They already have some good wing defenders as well. Um, I just I just like his chances to spearhead that that really elite defense and take it to a whole other level, um, which I think, like I said before, will play into their success. So what do you got for this one, Tyler? Uh, for this one, I want to use some of the same logic that Marcellus used for his Avery Bradley pick, where uh, Miami getting some recognition for having a good, strong team. I'm going with Bam Adebayo. I feel like that he's going to get a lot of love, especially when people factor in not only his ability to defend the paint and uh, his help side defense getting blocks, um, but also his ability to switch out onto the perimeter and like stick with some of those guards. I, I think it's going to get him a lot of love. And I think that that could end up translating to him getting this award. Okay. Okay. Jordan. Yeah, it was cute last year when uh, I don't even know, was it Giannis who won defensive player of the year last year? Um, it was. But but this is the Rudy Gobert Award until further notice. Um, like he, he won it two years before that, and I think a big difference between um, those two years and last year, honestly, was the presence of Derek Favors. And guess who's back in Utah to anchor that second unit? The Jazz are going to be a top five, if not top three, defensive unit. My man just got paid. I know you guys are going to hate on that, and you know, tell me how terrible of a deal it is. But the Jazz are in their window, and they are going to be competing for championships 
over the next three to five seasons. And a big part of that is going to be Rudy Gobert. Um, you know, there's a reason why he, his block numbers have went down. You know, a lot of people just want to look at this at a surface level and well, you know, he doesn't get as much as miles Turner or Hassan Whiteside. That's because people have so much respect or fear for Rudy that they don't even bother mm-hmm. trying to go in the post anymore. So um, this is Rudy's award to lose. In my opinion, um, I do think there's a few other, um, you know, worthy candidates out there, but, um, but Rudy, this is, this is his award. Um, it's time to put him back on top where he belongs. <laughs> that microphone toucher. Marcel, so what do you got for this one? Uh, I'm going with for defensive player of the year, Anthony Davis. I feel like last year he came in second to uh, the Greek freak. And I think that the Greek freak obviously is a great defender, but I think that Anthony Davis is obviously right there in that category. I think that he has won one before. He's probably going to average, you know, between two and a half and three blocks. He's going to get at least seven or eight, maybe nine defensive rebounds a game. Um, And he's just actually, you know, even a great uh, perimeter defender. So I think that because of that, the Lakers have one of the best defensive teams in the in the league. And this may be his year to actually end up uh, winning MVP and defensive player of the year. Now, he's not my MVP pick, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he did win both um, coming off a year where they picked Greek Freak uh, for defensive player of the year and MVP. Hmm. Hmm. All right, let's move on to our next question, which is, you know, did anything stand out to you in the preseason or – uh, you know, a mulligan on uh, one of your your takes or predictions in, in the last pod that we recorded about this upcoming season. So I'm going to start it off, and mine is just the, the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I was really harsh on it because I didn't really see them making any sort of movement, and that was just confusing to me. Um, I After looking at the roster, watching some of the preseason, you know, at the guard spots, you, you have rotating between, you know, Justin Anderson, Seth Curry, um, you bring in a vet in, in Danny Green that that's a great three and D player. Um, that's also a great vet in the locker room uh, to, to coach up some young guys like Terrence Ferguson. Um, brought in Dwight Howard to back up uh, Joel Embiid off the bench. Um, still have Tobias Harris, you know, for the time being. I thought they they did a pretty decent job in drafting with bringing in Isaiah Joe. That could be solid. Uh, I think in a year or two, I think Tyrese Maxey is going to have a, a pretty big big impact. Um, with them off the bench, uh, the dude can just get a bucket. Um, then you also have Shake Milton um, and then some projects and, and, you know, Paul Reed and guys like that. And then not to mention Ben Simmons, you know, the, the catalyst for this team, in addition to Matisse Thibel, um, who just gets after on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, that's a really versatile team with a lot of different lineup options um, with a, a veteran coach and, and Doc Rivers to, uh, to, to pull the strings. So I think that uh, they could have a, a, a pretty good year. So uh, what do you got for this one, Tyler? Uh, for this one, I mean, I, I, I took it as like a, who was my, like, or what was my preseason standout? And the thing that really stood out to me, I mean, I know that this is a little bit of a homer pick, but um, Josh Richardson, watching him, like, man, the chemistry that he has with Luca is insane. Like, that dude is going to get paid this next year. Uh, I know it's just the preseason and it's a small sample size, but also in those limited minutes, um Richardson has averaged over 20 points a game in the preseason also going up against the Bucks for two of those three games uh and he's shooting just about 70 percent on threes which obviously isn't gonna sustain but like if he can shoot around 40 percent on threes while also uh keeping up his patented like um strong defense against guards man like that 
it's just a dream pairing that I did I I thought would be good, but I did not think was going to be this good. Like my my expectations have been elevated significantly from watching them in the preseason. Jordan, yeah, I mean, I before I get into mine, I, I think you guys are both really spot on with your takes. Um, especially Richardson. Um, anybody playing fantasy basketball, that's a nice uh, kind of mid to late round flyer. I think it was 11 of 15 I saw that he was shooting from three in the preseason. And, uh, yeah, just a perfect sidekick for Luca. Um, as for what I, I'm – I'm looking at this as what I'm wrong about because, um, you know, I think we all deserve a mulligan every now and then. A lot of us, um, you know, I myself included, come out a little uh, strong on things and, you know, preaching it like it's the gospel. Um, I, I was high on the Pistons coming into the season and – High in, in that I thought they would, you know, sneak into the 10th spot and make the playoffs. Um, I have changed my mind on that one. Um, I, I'm not quite sure um, really what, what they have going on there, especially in the backcourt. Um, I mean, you're relying on a rookie and Killian Hayes and, you know, Derek Rose's body to hopefully stay together. Um, Blake Griffin, again, speaking of bodies needing to stay together. Um, I like him when he's healthy. I think he's kind of – made a nice um, turn in his career to, um, you know, changing from kind of a rim running, just like dunking all over your face guy to a guy who's going to be a really good mentor for some of the younger guys on that team. But their off season was a little confusing with all the bigs they got. Um, you're relying on Jeremy Grant, who, you know, has never really been cast in that sort of role where now he just got paid 20 million a year and they're going to expect him to produce offensively. So a um, little confused with what the Pistons, um, kind of did there. Um, and I think I overrated a little bit um, Dwayne Casey's impact as a coach. Um, didn't realize I, I do like him as a coach, but he's coached some teams that have kind of struggled through the last couple of seasons. Um, I just kind of remember him from when he was back in Toronto. I think it was when he won coach of the year and then just went off and got fired because that is a, is a death knell to coaches. Um, I would couple that um, quickly. Uh, last point is that I like Charlotte and Chicago a bit more than I liked them a week or two ago. Um, they've kind of come around on the, what the Hornets are doing with some of their younger guys. Um, and I absolutely <laughs> despise Gordon Hayward, but if he is healthy, he is definitely going to help them win some basketball games. They won't be tanking um, after signing him. And um, I'm on board with what the Bulls are doing as well. Um, I think they are going to flourish under a new coach and a new regime. And I think they are stacked from one through five, at least with just, you know, some sort of lottery or high first round pick. So um, uh, if I could do it over again, I would probably put the Pistons down probably at 12th. I still think they're going to be better than Cleveland and the Knicks. And then maybe one other team I'm forgetting right now, but um, yeah, no longer a playoff team for me. Got you. Marcellus? Uh, I think that after watching the preseason, I think the Wizards are going to be a good team. I didn't believe that they were going to be that, you know, good of a team. I think that we had just recently seen the John Wall trade uh, when we did our last podcast. And I thought they might have been a little bit improved with Russell Westbrook, maybe kind of a lateral movement. Um, still six in the East. But after kind of watching a lot of the content that the Wizards have been putting out, which may just be marketing, but I feel like after seeing a lot of that, I think that Russell Westbrook is the leader that the Wizards needed uh, for at least the last five years, definitely since Scott Brooks has been there. I think that he's also going to be that 
additional uh, additional score. I think that a lot of times John Wall made it may have shot more than he needed to shoot, especially having a real potent score like Bradley Bill in the wing. I think that mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook will be more open to getting off the ball, maybe dribbling less and being the real leader to try to get a championship out of this team as a 30 plus year old player now. So I think that, you know, I didn't really look at the Wizards being able to, you know, sniff home court advantage. But after seeing what I've seen in the preseason, I think that they have a really good shot at it. And they could be a better team than the Nets than the Nets this year. But, I mean, of course, they play the games for a reason. It's not just on paper. But I think that they are a very good team uh, that, you know, a lot of people are sleeping on. All right. So next question is going over some of our favorite win totals uh, for the over-unders for the uh, season results for each team. So, you know, my five overall um, would be uh, I'm taking Chicago's over uh, 29 and a half. Uh, Dallas is over 42 and a half. Uh, Memphis is over at 31 and a half. Portland's over at 40 and a half. And Toronto's over at 42 and a half. So I'm saying positive today. Uh, Toronto's is easy to me. Um, I really think that they got deeper this offseason. Um, Flume was a great addition. Um, great coaching. Um, 42 and a half seems like easy money to me. Uh, Portland, for the same reasons that I was talking about earlier with Dame uh, having an, an MVP caliber year on the horizon, in my opinion. And I'll pick, you know, Memphis for the last one. Memphis at 31 and a half wins. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to look up right now. I don't think that's a crazy improvement on where they were last year. Um, and I think with some of the draft picks they picked up, you know, John Morant, another year older. Um, I don't think beating a, a win total of 31 and a half is out of the, uh, out of the realm of possibility. Um, so those are my three. Yeah. They finished 34 and 39 last year. So, um, I definitely think that they can top that. So, all right, we're going to move on to uh, Tyler. Well, man, you know I'm a hater, so let me talk about some of these unders that I really love. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll start with, like, Miami. Like, I I, th- I feel like they could be an under because I just – I don't think that they're a team that really cares about their playoff seating. So, like, in a year especially where home court doesn't really mean anything, like, I, I don't see them pushing for to, to get as many wins as possible. Um, Houston – like, I mean, remember the days when James Harden absolutely did not try on defense? That man wants out. What do you think he's about to do? It ain't going to be playing defense. It's going to be probably chucking up a lot of bad shots because he just does not give a bleep. Um, also, the Knicks and the Thunder, give me the under because, if I, like, the OKC's over-under is like 23 and a half. If they get 23 wins, Sam Presti is going to be pissed. Um, also, uh Give me Denver and the under hard, man. They lost all their good defensive players. Who's playing defense for them? It ain't Michael Porter Jr. It ain't Jokic. It ain't Murray. It ain't Barton. Maybe it might be Gary Harris, but they have him coming in off the bench. Like, all they got is Paul Millsap, and he's old as dirt. Uh, I will give, just to get a little bit, like, more optimistic, one over that I love is Philly, and I think we all love Washington in the over. So, there's your glimmer of light. Other than that, I'm just tating. Jordan so I'm gonna hit you with three quick ones um just one-liners then I got um, three that I feel a little bit stronger about that I'll give you some reasoning behind um I think a couple of you have mentioned Portland and Dallas already like the overs on both of them uh 40 and a half and 42 and a half respectively um I just think they're both gonna be I've got them in the four or five uh, matchup in the west right now um think they're due for improvements um talked about Dallas's um point total or um, winning margin last season. I also like Indiana. Um, their over-under is only at 39 and a half. 
And uh, I feel like we haven't said a word about Indiana on this podcast. And that's just kind of what happens with the Pacers. They're a very small market team that flies under the radar, but they literally brought every single player back basically from their team last year, except for I think TJ Leaf. So, uh, I mean, nobody's going to miss him. This is a team that's hit their over four of the past five seasons. And um, they're just a team that to hit 39 and a half is actually a representative vast decrease from what they have done in past seasons. Gotcha. Um, under. I'll go a second. I am pounding the Atlanta Hawks under at 35 and a half. That's expecting this team to get to 500 um, to, to even cash the over. And they have not played 500 basketball in three years. They have not hit their over under in any of the past five seasons. And this is a team that rated the worst by far in the league in defensive efficiency last season. And if you want to tell me that Onyeko Okongwu is going to change all that, then I've got a bridge to sell you somewhere because he's not going to be getting that much time over John Collins and Clint Capella. Um, I really think this is going to be a fun team to watch on league pass, but because they're going to be playing a bunch of 145 to 140 games, um, not, not in on the Hawks has proved as well. Um, I don't think Charlotte, Orlando or Washington are pushovers. Plus you have Miami there. Um, a couple overs. I like, I like Toronto at 42 and a half and I like the jazz at 41 and a half. So for Toronto, um, just flip what I said about Atlanta. Um, they're the only team that's hit their over-under each of the past five seasons. Um, they've, you know, kind of added and morphed to their bench. It's, they're not going to have any depth issues there. Um, all they got to do is hit a win rate of 60% uh, this season to hit the over. Um, their lowest actual win rate they recorded in the last five seasons is 62%. And in most of those seasons, they've been closer to a 60-win team, which is like in the lower 70s for win percentage. Um, I think they have room for growth. Um, I think it was Proy that just mentioned Malachi Flynn. Um, I'd throw OG Ananobi out there in the uh, most improved conversation as well. He's definitely on my radar. Um, and I, I like what they did getting younger with the bigs. I don't think losing um, Ibaka and, and Gasol is going to hurt them as much. I think Boucher and Baines will be all right. I think that's something that may come back to hurt them in the playoffs, but I don't know that they're going to miss them in the regular season. Um, with the Jazz, they've hit the over in three of their past four seasons. Um, and in each of those um, seasons, they have exceeded the win rate that they would need. They'd have to win 58% of their games this coming year to go 42 and 30 and hit that over. And they have hit that win rate each of the last four seasons. This is a deeper team than last season. Um, no lingering health issues. Bojan Bogdanovic is back healthy. Donovan and Rudy locked up. You know, there's no drama there anymore. They got Derek Favors back, and in terms of continuity, this side of Indiana, they brought everybody back in their rotation and added Derek Favors back to it, who, um, you know, played for them minus his little one-year sojourn down to New Orleans um, last season. So um, really solid on both Toronto and Utah. Uh, the Raptors 42-and-a-half and the Jazz 41-and-a-half. Marcellus? I'm definitely feeling uh, the overall Denver. I feel like they're a much-improved team this year. I feel like, like I mentioned, Michael and Porter Jr. is, you know, probably going to be in the most improved uh, category as far as I think that he's going to win that award. In addition to the fact that I think Bull Bull is going to be another piece that gets them over the hump as far as, you know, winning more games than they did last year as far as from a win percentage perspective. I also think that Golden State is going to be vastly improved, and I think that they're going to be better than the majority of people in addition to the experts think they're going to be. I think that Wiseman gives them a defensive anchor in addition to Draymond Green that, 
is going to allow them to contest shots at the rim in addition to be in addition to being a rebounder that they haven't had in recent years. Uh, probably the best one that they've had since JaVale McGee. And I mean, JaVale McGee is JaVale McGee. So I think that James Wiseman is actually going to be a better defensive player than JaVale McGee was. Um, so I'm taking the over on both of those teams as far as in the Western Conference. And I think that they're going to be two of the bigger surprises in the NBA. Interesting. All right, last one. So we're, we're going to have a little area at the end here for hot takes. Um, so mine is one that Jordan is not going to like, but small market teams need to stop giving max deals to players that, in my estimation at least, do not deserve max deals. I They signed uh, Rudy Gilbert to a five-year, $205 million deal. Um, and... Two hundred five. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot of money for for a great great defensive player that anchors your defense. is a is a solid rebounder, a good team player. Offensively, I think he's very limited, um, and especially in today's game, where you know we're moving away from big men, uh, the, the Jazz are kind of doubling down on that. I don't, you know, I think that uh, my 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 biggest question is what is the market for that player? Like, is there another team out there that would have given him $205 million for five years? Um, which my answer to that question would be no. And also what does this do to the, the time window for the jazz? Like, what do you, Jordan, what do you think that the jazz window to win the championship is right now? How many years? I mean, the next three to five right now, I mean, so much of that depends on Donovan's development. Um, I'm not sure, you know, where he can go scoring wise. He was already in the 25s. Um, but I mean, I, I think they're all in, um, especially this year. It'll be interesting to see how they pivot from Conley. I kind of assume that they're going to move on from him and Donovan will be running the full-time point. Um, not that it's going to be make or break for championship reasons, but um, I do like a lot of their back end of the roster guys. They've shown a, a, a knack for player development. And I like what I'm seeing out of, Mieoni, um, Elijah Hughes, Juwan Morgan. I mean, the casual fan doesn't know them, but if you can get those guys in there as, you know, eighth, ninth players off the bench and you're paying them, you know, minimum or very small amounts, it allows you to go out and fill in the rest of your starting lineup and roster with some, some better guys. Listen, I, I hope I'm wrong with it, but I mean, you have an example of what happens when a small market team, you know, gives the max to, to the guys on the roster, Mike Conley, you know, getting paid the, the salary that he does without making an all-star team. Marcus Saul, you know, in 2015, getting signed to a, a five-year deal worth $110 million, which is crazy now looking back on it, $100 million less than what Rudy got. Um, but I just think that these are the type of moves that, you know, it's you, you better win a title within that window because I think that it really speeds up um, – what you're looking at as far as your projected outcome for that team and, and it really better work out because in free agency, like you said, it's hard to attract, you know, good free agents to really, really smart, small market teams. So that's my take. Um, and, and I don't know. I think they might regret that. I hope I'm wrong. Cause I, I like watching the jazz play. I like good fundamentally sound team um, that, that play together. So I hope I'm wrong there, but I, I think that they unnecessarily sped up their window um, quite a bit and, and took a, a big risk that I don't know is worth it. So Tyler, what you got? Yeah, I think that one might have counted as a two for hearing Jordan say that the jazz window might extend for five years. That sounds spicy hot. I don't know if a, a non-shooting Rudy is really going to be uh, contributing to a championship when he's 32 on that, that type of contract. But um, 
Yeah, but my, my hot take is that, uh, that the, everybody thinks that just because Greg Popovich is old and near the end of his leash that there's no way that the Spurs will really tank. But I don't know. I think that they're going to tank. I think that he does recognize when the time to tank is the time to tank. And looking at this draft, yeah, it's the time to tank. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the, like what, what are they really going to do? Are they really going to contend for the eight seed? And even if they do, like, so what? Then you get smoked by the Lakers in the first round. A much better future sounds like trying to tank and get get your ping pong balls up to get Cade Cunningham or one of the other like top five picks because it, it is going to be a pretty good draft. And I think that Greg Popovich, he is a smart guy. I think that he's going to recognize that, and I think that the Spurs are going to go for it. He seemed like he recognized it in the bubble when they asked him if he was worried about you know their their chances of of making it to the playoffs. He's like, eh. You know, if we don't win, we'll develop. And it just didn't seem like he was super concerned with that. So yeah, he's a smart guy. He, he he knows what's going on. Hopefully. Jordan, what you got? Yeah, so this is a little bit of a niche take. Um, and, of course, I'm going to talk about my jazz. Um, but uh, I guess I should have prefaced that with a, a little trivia question for you guys. Uh, what team led the NBA in three-point percentage last season? The jazz hearing silence. I'll throw out the jazz 38.0%. Um, this is a team now that they got Rudy, um, you know, they're looking to surround him with a bunch of shooters. Um, Conley's three point shot kind of came back because he got acclimated to Utah at the end of the season and in the bubble and playoffs, Donovan's got a nice stroke. They're developing some younger guys, um, who, um, they're just jacking up threes from all over the place. Um, three seasons ago, they averaged 29 threes a game. They kind of hovered at like the 34, 35 mark for these last couple of seasons. My hot take is that not only will they lead the league in three-point shooting percentage again this season, but they'll also lead the league in three-point makes. And I guess maybe that's a bit of a hedge that James Harden gets dealt. Otherwise, he almost just carries Houston into first place on his own. Um, to, to back this up a little bit, granted, it is the preseason and it's a small sample, but um, the amount of shots that the Jazz have uh, jacked up in the preseason from three, 39, 41, and 52 the jazz went 24 for 52 from three and smoked the clippers by 20 in their last preseason game so um they're getting shots up and i didn't even mention my guy uh bojan bogdanovich who's um probably a, a nice dark horse bet to lead the league in overall threes made um so i, I think they repeat as three-point percentage champs and i think quinn snyder is just making a huge emphasis um on getting those shots up uh Again, I've mentioned this a couple times, but even when they were getting bounced by the Rockets a couple years ago in the playoffs, they were throwing up threes and they just weren't going down. But the quality of those shots was incredible because of um, the offense. Um, they were kind of getting things going in the blender and they were uh, just getting good looks for uh, players and just couldn't hit it. So um, they are starting to hit them because they got better players and better shooters there. Um, like the Jazz in, in that regard this year to be a, a very fun team to follow too. Um, you know, maybe not quite as flashy as Golden State, but um, if you want to see a three-point shooting barrage, uh, tune into the Jazz. I like it. Marcellus, what you got? My hot take is that the, the Pelicans finish as a playoff team. Lonzo Ball wins most improved player of the year, and Zion is in the top five for MVP race. That's my hot take. I feel like the fact that Zion shoots 60% goes overlooked way too much. The fact that he scores so much per minute. He's the only player that's been scoring 
on the same pace as Wilt Chamberlain. I mean, how many play people are even mentioned in the same conversation as Wilt Chamberlain as far as anything, let alone points? I think that's being grossly overlooked. Um, and that if Michael Porter Jr. doesn't win the uh, most improved, I think that it's going to end up being Lonzo Ball. I think that he's going to be hovering right around a triple-double this year, and they're going to end up being a playoff. Mm -hmm. To get a triple-double, you have to score double-digit points. You know that, right? And he averaged 10 his rookie season. So Ooh. let's get past that. <laughs> I don't think he's going to win the most I missed it. For who is that? Lonzo. For Lonzo. Lonzo for MIP. Yeah. And Zion for top five in the MVP race with the Pelicans getting a playoff spot. That's spicy. I like it, though. Stamp me on that. <laughs> I mean, it's most definitely spicy. You think you think Lonzo's gonna have enough minutes to put up a triple double? He's gonna start. He's the he's the catalyst to their team. He's been the catalyst to every team that he's been on. <laughs> yeah, as Selene's source said, they've been trying to get rid of Drew Holiday for two years. Exactly right, right, and here they are. They're, he's gone, and it's, it's and it's the Lonzo Ball show. Did you see how the team plays different when he's in the game? The half court lobs, the touches that everyone gets, the way that the game just flows. He was, I mean, playing well right before the quarantine started. So I don't see any reason why he won't do that this year. The shooting stroke has improved. He's been a visionary passer, one of the best passers in the NBA. He doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He plays great defense. I mean, I feel like. If we gave Lonzo Ball the freedom that we're giving LaMelo Ball, we wouldn't have had – there would be no – we wouldn't even be talking about LaMelo this way. Lonzo would probably be an all-star. But we were kind of like all on LaMelo because – I mean Lonzo because of the fact that his dad talked a lot. But if we said, oh, look, Lonzo, it's, it's okay if you go one for ten. Let's just show you your great pass that you had. He would be – I mean, he had a bunch of those. He averaged 10, 7, and 7 his rookie year. So, I mean, let's get past the whole he's not that productive of a player – he had LeBron playing point guard half the time with him playing point guard at the time. And he still averaged 10, seven to seven. I think that he's still a great player. And I think that he's getting his confidence back. And with somebody like, like, like Zion that doesn't need to take nothing but one, two dribbles, that's going to lead to a lot of assists. In addition to the fact that they've got great shooters all around the perimeter. So I think that he's going to be in the conversation for most improved player of the year. Um, and Zion's going to finish top five in the MVP race, averaging about 26, nine and four. Does Lonzo shoot over 60% on free throws or not? Nah? 63. Because uh, for his career, his percentages have gone 45, just under 42, and then 56 and a half. I see 63 this year with them All end right. up being a, a seven seed. Hey, man, we asked for a hot take. That's a hot take. Aaron, 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 get the interns to cut this thing up, man. Come on, bro. <laughs> Chuckleheads podcast, yo. <laughs> All right, y'all. Appreciate you coming on the pod. And uh, one more time, let them know where the people can find you on Twitter. Yourselves. Uh, you can find me at Logist. I mean, at Logist CEO. Follow our company, Logist Sports Stats and Logist Stats. And uh, stay tuned for the St. James Super League coming up January 8th. Sir. Yes, sir. Jordan. Yeah, at BLO underscore LC. Uh, stay tuned for some uh, scorching Dabo Sweeney takes. Stay frosty. <laughs> Man, you're not gonna find me on Twitter. I don't use that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you use Twitter to record who owes you McChickens. That's really the only reason you're Twitter. That is in my bio. I do got the debt list. Yo, anybody want to bet? Make a McChicken bet on the uh, Denver over/under? Yeah, get it. Yeah, get at me. Slide in my DMs. 
<laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Take care. All right, y'all. All right.